0: Welcome to Health and Fitness find. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and fitness, where we're going to overcome adversity, to pick back first fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go a little bit out there, if you know what I mean. But I'm super excited to learn about things that personally I know absolutely nothing about, so before I really dive into what we're talking about, who we're meeting, let me welcome to the show, Jonathan Potter. Let's get him on up here. And welcome to the show, Jonathan. Super excited to have you.
1: Hi, Anthony. It's uh, it's great to be here. And um, yeah, excited to discuss this. You know, I think these, these conversations are sometimes best with people who don't really know the subject. So I'm uh, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I think... I'm just going to ask you all the questions that probably all your clients ask you. So <laughs> just right up, right up your boat right here. So first tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved into becoming the CEO of Behold Retreats. Take us back, man.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. And I guess, you know, I think for me, the right place to start is actually uh, my, my childhood. So i um, I grew up with pretty alternative hippie parents and I uh, was lucky enough to grow up in Hawaii uh, now for for anyone who doesn't know Hawaii it's a pretty substance rich shall we say environment it's uh, it's you why know, is a beautiful magical you know tropical you know amazing landscape to grow up in, but it's got a little bit of a dark side as well. So it's got a lot of, you know, problems with substance abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, these sorts of things. Uh, And so growing up in that environment and, you know, being through the American education system, as we all have, um, I really did not feel attracted to anything that was like substances. So my parents were pretty open-minded. They were spiritual. Uh, I was very much in the other direction. So I was not open minded to any sort of, uh, you know, substances that might alter our minds and I was not open minded to spirituality. So I was actually an atheist. Um, and so for most of my um, most of my life, most of my career, uh, I went into the corporate world and spent uh, you know, most of my most of my time in my life in um, in management consulting and in strategy work uh, first in New Zealand and then subsequently throughout Asia. And um, after about, you know, 10 years in that line of work, I just remember looking, uh, looking myself in the mirror one morning and thinking, gosh, you know, there has to be more to life than just that next promotion. There has to be more to life than that next paycheck, that next thing, that next client, the next deal. And uh, there just has to be something more. And so I decided to take a year off. And as part of that. Um, Two friends came and uh, joined me in Peru, and we decided to join an ayahuasca retreat, which was about five years ago now, and it was a completely unexpected transformational experience. It opened opened the door to spirituality, and and life has never been quite the same since.
0: Walk us through that, showing up to a retreat where somebody coming from the corporate world, so I'm just going to envision myself for a second like all of us are, what what do you do? What, how does What's the day-to-day function? Uh, what's the vibe like? Take us through that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, the reason I actually gave this a chance was that I had witnessed a transformation in a friend of mine about, about 10 years prior to my own attending uh, of a retreat. And she left for the retreat. You know, she'd unfortunately had a pretty challenging childhood. She left for uh, a retreat um, shy and, you know, pretty negative and closed minded and she could just never kind of get in the flow of things in life. And she came back like a really transformed person. And um, I remember thinking at the time, this doesn't quite resonate. This doesn't align with the narrative that I have in my mind and what we've been taught around, you know, substances that can alter your perception and, and your perceptions of reality. So that kind of anchored in my mind. And so when we had this opportunity in Peru, you know, I thought, okay, um, this is, you know, why I'm taking a year off is to try and find myself and, you know, understand more about what life is about and the potentiality of life. And it seems like this seemed, you know, this could be some meaningful part of that. But truth be told, Anthony, I was was genuinely underprepared for the power of the experience. And so, you know, I went into that, again, as I said, an atheist, I went into that thinking I had a lot of the answers, quote unquote, right about life. And, uh, and it was a very humbling, very challenging experience. Um, we did, uh, we were there for just about a week and, um, you know, ceremony after ceremony, uh, it was very, challenging in terms of, you know, just showing me things about myself, showing me things about my life. Um, it showed me some really amazing and beautiful things about, you know, the the good things that I've done in my life, and the good things that I've done for people. But it also showed me the opposite, right, where I wasn't turning up at my best, and I wasn't bringing the types of energy into the world that I aspire to. Um, and so, you know, I think in essence, the nature of this work with plant medicine, with psychedelics is really about trying to harmonize the subconscious mind, right? That's what we're trying to do is to tap into that, that subconscious and to resolve some of the trauma, some of the negativity of mind, uh, and some of the past challenging experiences that have, you know, left a negative imprint, uh, on our being.
0: Was it more of uh, like, just somebody from the outside. It just sounds like, is it just a ceremony where I hear past the pipe, like I'm thinking of some <laughs> American Indians, or is it more of, hey, this is a therapy, like, kind of a treat you would get for alcoholics or drug abuse? Where are we sitting yeah. in here? <laughs> Yeah, so there are
1: there are different retreats that I would say, you know, in a broad sense, there are different retreats that represent different energy. The retreat that we went to was in uh, the Sacred Valley of Peru, which is near Machu Picchu. Incredible, beautiful location, uh, more of a shamanic. Uh, style of retreat and um really beautiful secluded property with you know beautiful f- fruit trees and a couple friendly uh pets on the property and just really a sacred space you know um for people to come together and you know amazing beautiful food and so the way that it works is usually you know day one you arrive. Um, you kind of get settled in, get comfortable with the people that are there, meet uh, meet the psychologist or the, you know, the facilitators and the healers that are on hand. And, you know, just kind of align energetically, I suppose, with them. Then often the second day will be the first ceremony. So we typically assemble um, in the evening uh, because these medicines make you quite photosensitive. Uh, and so you assemble in the evening. There's usually a ceremonial area for the um, for, for the medicine to, to take place, um, and, um, and you know, usually it's after dark, and uh, so people you know, drink the medicine uh, in, a, in a circle or in a semicircle. The shamans start to do their work, with it, which is you know, singing some of the Icaros, which is the kind of ancient songs that uh, go along with the, with the medicine work, uh, and after about thirty to forty five minutes, it begins to take effect. And so um, it has a you know pretty profound impact on mind, body, heart, and spirit. So it really detoxifies the body um, and it begins to reconnect mind, body, heart, and spirit in ways that uh, we may not have experienced. Um, it doesn't tend to have the intensity of the effects. Uh, on people who live closer to the earth because they haven't been so disconnected from the planet and from themselves. Um, But for a lot of foreigners that are coming, say, from a desk job uh, and down into this experience, it can be very challenging because there's a lot of uh, toxicity that has been built up in the body over years. There's often a lot of stuff that's happening in the mind that's not so pretty. And there's a lot of energetic stuff that needs to be released and removed from uh, from the body to come back into a... um, yeah, into a I guess a healthier state of being.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man! And then you're doing this for a week. But what was that transition from, "Hey, this thing changed my life," to "Hey, let me go do this on my own"? And right now, you're you said in Thailand. So, fix that connection gap for us.
1: For <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a very profound experience, as I as I shared before, but I also didn't integrate the lessons well. So I wasn't really prepared for the experience. So I was really knocked out by the experience itself. Uh, And then post retreat, what I found was that I really did kind of return to normal. Uh, Even though I had such a powerful experience, everything in my life kind of returned to the way that it was before. Um, And, you know, there wasn't much guidance after the retreat in terms of, hey, you've had this very powerful experience. Here's how you can think about this to better your life. So I was a little bit lost, you know, in relation to that. And so uh, I spent the subsequent years actually attending quite a number of these other retreats, um, trying to understand more about myself, about this work with plant medicine that was you know, pretty compelling and powerful. But I, I and I knew there was more there for me. So I was able to unpack um, over those years of retreats. I was really able to unpack a lot more about, you know, what was going on in my subconscious, release a lot of lower level emotions. You know, we all have. A lot of shame, of guilt, fear, grief, grief, apathy, envy, anger, pride. These are all emotions that are stuck in the physical. Uh, body and so through learning tools for emotional processing, through learning tools for uh, metacognition, I became uh, more confident in my own ability to make progress uh, in relation to this work and to elevate my consciousness. Uh, and so through that process, became very motivated to help others not have such challenging experiences as I had had, and also to guide them towards the tools and the experiences that really do provide more sustained benefits to the quality of the human experience. Because, you know, I always say to clients, you don't want an ayahuasca retreat, right? You don't want a a psychedelic retreat necessarily. What you're looking for is improvements to your quality of life. And in order for that to come true, uh, a number of other things also need to be true in order to get the most out of the plant medicine work. You know, the way that I look at this work now is it's 80% mental and emotional work, which is what allows the 20% with plant medicine and psychedelics to be as transformational as possible. But a lot of people are just jumping straight to the work with uh, with the plant medicine, and they're skipping the work, the human work, the, the mental and emotional work. And that's why if you look at any sort of psychedelic scene Or community, they're not necessarily the embodiment of an energy uh, of love and peace and joy and abundance that you would hope for if this was really, you know, as powerful as some people claim it to be. So, um, you know, that's really a lot of what we do differently is like, look, this is about mental and emotional work. And then the plant medicine, the psychedelics can help you facilitate that transformation, but you still got to do the work
0: kind of like going to, I don't know if this is relatable, you can correct me, but a psychiatrist where the work being with them is, hey, let's get you on track. It's a lot of follow-up. It's a lot of focus on mental health. And then the medicine just kind of helps bring you along that trajectory or that path.
1: Yeah. I think that's, instead I think that's, of the that... hard
0: drugs from big pharma, it's plant-based.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, the, the, I think that's a, it's a useful bridge. I think the difference is that these medicines, when they, when, the, when people have the right expert guidance and facilitation around these experiences, the goal is for them to very much come off of any other medication. So, you know, we guide quite a few clients that are coming off of SSRIs and other things that perhaps they've been on for years. Um, and to be able to, you know, to come down off those, attend one of these transformational experiences, and then not have to go back to the meds that they're on from an anxiety or depression perspective. So, um, you know, that's very much something that we, it's not a, an area that we specialize in. We, we more focus on peop- getting people from good to great. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who are on these SSRIs and, you know, they're, they're ready to, you know, get back within themselves and, and depend wholly upon themselves as opposed to some, you know, external meds uh, in order to be well.
0: That's awesome, man. And you were saying you guys do two different types of retreats. So the first one is more of one-on-one counseling, and then you'll kind of meet them somewhere. And then the other one is you're at, they're actually spending a couple of weeks pre-retreat, then going to a retreat with a group of people in certain countries. You were explaining. Want to talk a little more about that?
1: Yeah. So the, the, the major difference or the two ways that we guide our clients is one through a seven week process, which typically includes a one week retreat. And the second is just the one week retreat. So for those clients that are ready to go deep with themselves and, um, you know, surface their limiting thought patterns, their limiting beliefs, really understand the basis for, you know, some of the behaviors that are no longer serving them. uh, And really, you know, really anchor around their future self, right? Because these medicines, they're very powerful experiences and they respond to intentionality. So the more clear that we get about future self, right? In terms of health, in terms of relationships, in terms of passion for work and abundance and all of those sorts of good things that absolutely every single one of us in this this life deserves, right? Not a single one of us is a random permutation of evolution. I, I truly believe that. We all have... Divine purpose. We all have inherent divinity within our being, and we're all here to share and give our unique your unique gifts and strengths out to the world. Right? We're all here to give, um, and so to discover that for ourselves, and to anchor around that, and then for the plant medicine to uh, you know, I guess accelerate and facilitate that connection to to the higher self, um, and so to be able to bring back some of that guidance in relation to. Hey, you know, here's here's what you are. Here's who you are, and here's what you're really good at. Um, and to have this, I, I often describe this as sort of a a vertical a vertical knowledge, right? It's not like you when you read something, it's like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but this is like this is. Embodied knowledge on a different level, where you can feel like, okay, this is what I am in every cell of your body, and it's like, wow, that's super powerful. Uh, and some of these realizations, you know, that can come. Sometimes they sound super silly, right? Like I've had one um, uh, when I was first starting with plant medicine. One of the big realizations and breakthroughs that I had on one of my retreats was spend more time doing what you love. And it's and it sounds when you say it, it sounds so trite and so obvious, right? It's like, oh yeah, of course. But like when you feel that in every cell of your body and it's it, it's really it's it's just a much different, much more powerful uh, embodied experience.
0: I love that. Spend more time doing what you love, because I full believe that when you love your work, kind of like you and I, I feel like it's not work. You just it's fun.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It definitely goes a long way. So I want to talk a little bit about the plant medicine you were explaining you're doing this kind of plant medicine this kind you were mentioned a couple types pre-show so just walk us through what kind of plant medicine you guys are working with and then i just want to really focus on each one individual to see because i know nothing about them i'm not going to sit here and be like oh yeah that one so walk us through the medicines
1: yeah, sure. So there's, there's primarily three that we work with, so I'll start with those. And then if there's any others that you have heard of or have interest of, we can go there as well. So the three that we work with tends to be, number one, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's evidence for, uh, I guess, ancient wisdom traditions using magic mushrooms virtually across the entire world. Um, whether we talk about, you know, the Tibetan traditions, the... Uh, Central and South American traditions, there's even Scandinavian and Irish traditions. So, you know, the mushroom, the mushroom is has certainly been just about everywhere. Um, and, um, in relation to that, there's actually some, some science that's coming out, I believe from Harvard, if I'm not mistaken, late, later this year, that it's going to provide a pretty compelling case for the fact that it's not that these medicines do interesting things to our brains. It's actually that our brains are as developed and as interesting as they are in no small part, because we have co-evolved with these types of medicines. So these medicines are very powerful neurogenetically, right? Which means that they, um, they, they create new neurons in the brain and they, they support neuroplasticity. So they actually reconnect um, regions of the brain that normally don't, uh, in, that don't interchange information. So this is part of the reason why people have big realizations with these experiences is because the brain is being reconnected. Uh, I want
0: I to I stop you on that one because that one I actually know stuff about. <laughs> I didn't know the beautiful. medicinal name for it, but magic mushrooms and the light bulb went off to a little bit of the side. You are right. I've, I've seen different types of studies and I believe it is Harvard showing that there have been benefits for those that suffer with anxiety and depression because it helps rewire the brain making different neurological connections. Now, I've talked about this previously in my show where we can actually do this ourselves, but it's very, very, very difficult. To learn how to rewire your brain, and somebody who suffers from depression, I think that's the most broad spectrum one. The reason you'd get start with slight depression, which is you create that connection, and then they constantly hardwire that connection. It's the same thing as working the muscle. When you constantly yeah. do that same motion over and over and over again, you create that mind-to-muscle connection it becomes easier, same thing in our brain. So if we keep working that depression connection, the debt, self-down talk it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it takes a lot of brain power to rewire that connection because it takes just as much work to do that. And I've seen that magic mushrooms are actually able to help you rewire that back through for those that, like I said, it's, it's very, very difficult to learn how to rewire your brain. So I do love that one.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, um, you can see this there's some uh, there's a study a 2014 study from the royal the journal of royal society interface which doesn't exactly roll off the tongue um but what they've done is through um through a series of mris they've done uh scans on your typical western brain uh and what the, if you can imagine a circle and along the outside of the circle each of there's 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 additional circles that represent each of the regions of the brain. And then what it shows is it shows the amount of interconnectivity between each region of the brain and each other region of the brain. So it's it's showing the many to many relationship. Now, what that shows is that in your typical modern Western brain, you basically have a small subset of neural pathways that are overused like crazy. So we have, just because we're so overwhelmed, we're so stressed, we're so busy, we've had to become almost as like an energy efficient mechanism to respond to everything that's going on in life. We've just become really overly patterned in our thinking and in our behavior just to cope with everyday life. Now, in contrast, if you look at a MRI, of uh, someone who is under the influence of psilocybin, magic mushrooms, you can see that the, there's free flow of information between parts of the brain. And so one example that I sometimes give is that, you know, if you imagine someone who is, says, oh, I love my wife. And in fact, they're, they're not being faithful to their wife. Well, that's an example of a compartmentalized brain, physical compartmentalization, because they're holding these two incongruent thoughts within the the single mind. And so if people had someone of this description was to have one of these experiences, it's very likely that those two thoughts would need to come together and have some sort of reconciliation, because uh, those are those are two things that shouldn't exist within a healthy brain. Now, the third data point, which I think is the most fascinating and interesting, is if you take someone who has 30 years meditation practice, and you compare them to the first two images, their brain looks much more like a brain on psilocybin with the regions of the brain healthy and interconnected versus the typical modern Western brain, which has got a highly compartmentalized network, uh, typically what we, call it overactive default mode network in the brain. And, um, and as a result of that, there, the regions of the brain, there's the overuse of, uh, of a small subset of neural pathways. The, um, the other stats that I think you'll find interesting is uh, the National Science Foundation recently did some uh, some surveys on, um, on thinking and on thoughts. And what they found was that your typical person has, number one, between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. So Lots and lots of thoughts. Number two, what they found was that almost all of those thoughts are egoic thoughts. So they're thoughts that relate to I, me, and my. So they're they're thoughts about myself. The third thing about this, which is fascinating, is that 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. So they're having the same thoughts over and over and over again. And then the last thing, and this is the heartbreaker, 85% of those thoughts are negative. So people are having a ton of thoughts. They're only thinking about themselves. They're thinking the same things about themselves And they're thinking negative things about themselves and most people don't this is so patterned it's so ingrained for most people that they don't even know it and so that's a lot of what we do with clients is to show them hey you're not being nearly as nice to yourself as you might and so you might be motivating yourself from a place of fear as opposed to from a place of love and wouldn't it be nice to make that transition for yourself and then once you're making that transition for yourself guess what that's going to turn up in your outside world as well and, uh, and your life's going to get a whole lot better if you're, if you're able to manage that transition.
0: Yeah. And I just, for your own knowledge, to kind of emphasize a point, I suffered from depression at a very young age. Uh-huh. And I felt that cyclical cycle of constantly getting worse and, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until eventually I got to a breaking point where I had to make a decision. It's go down road A, and that's pretty much it, or it's changed my life and go down road B. So I sat there for an overnight of 12 hours, really contemplating how I could help rewire my brain into more of a positive construct. And over the course of about three weeks, three weeks, not three hours, I have that same repetitive motion, which is what you were talking about. I constantly had to say, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And I constantly had to say, you're not shy, you're not shy, you're not shy. Go talk to people because I was a super shy and introvert. And I was able to pull myself out of that depressive state. And I've never had it again. <laughs> but it's a That's- point being, you just, that was a lot of work. And I know a lot of people would have given up out of the first, second, third, fourth attempt of failure because it was a lot of failure because it took a lot of work to help rewire my brain a different direction to be happier. So it's, it's a very interesting thought. And that's why I've been a believer for a lot of people that probably don't necessarily understand this type of work, where it's like, you can rewire your brain. It's possible. It's just very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, you know,
1: what's interesting about this is that's, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing, sharing that. I think that's a, that's an incredible story and and inspiring. And I think, you know, the, the other thing that I think is important in relation to this is to tell, is to share that story that look, there's many roads to a healthy mind, right? I think plant medicine can play a role. I think, you know, someone as determined as yourself in, in your past circumstances certainly can, you know, find a way. I think breathwork, meditation, there's many ways to get there. You know, personally, you know, plant medicine has played a fundamental role for me and, and I'm an advocate. But it's, it's not that I think that plant medicine or psychedelics in of themselves are positive. They're just neutral. They amplify energy. And so they're amplifying your access to parts of your mind and your body and your spirit that you might otherwise not have access to on the day by day. And, and I think there's great power in that, but there's certainly other, other tools and mechanisms to get there. Now, coming back, um, we were speaking about medicine. So we, we got stuck on psilocybin magic mushrooms. The other two that we work with are ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca is a combination of two plants from Central and South America. It's grown to be quite popular in, the, in recent times. Very powerful medicine. That's the, the retreat that I attended in Peru. And that's the medicine that we were working with. Uh, and then the third medicine that we work with is, um, sorry, the underlying model molecule within ayahuasca is uh, is known as DMT, uh, dimethyltryptamine, which is the um, uh, also often described as the spirit molecule. Um, and then the, the final medicine that we work with, and uh, this one's certainly getting a lot more attention and more popular, is 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and that's also referred to as the God molecule or the toad medicine. Very very powerful experience. It's much shorter than um, the ceremonies with ayahuasca or psilocybin, uh, but it's uh, you know it's a very powerful experience.
0: Talk to us about this, those two a little bit more and what that experience is like. You've mentioned like oh it's, it's a longer, it's a shorter. What does that necessarily mean?
1: yeah so with ayahuasca you know as i shared before it's it's working on um all of these medicines are working on all levels in terms of mind body heart and spirit but ayahuasca in particular is known for as i shared before it's detoxifying and it's physical healing properties right so um there's much more science that's coming out now in relation to healing autoimmune disorders healing cancer healing um uh There's, there's one that's, we had one client who's, she, she healed her vision. She came back from a retreat. She's like, wow, that was, you know, the vision, my, the, my vision is so clear. And I was like, oh, you know what you're going to do with your future? And she was like, no, 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 my eyes, like I've never been able to see so clearly. I was like, wow, that's incredible. So there's, you know, it, it begins to sound like a silver, a little bit like a silver bullet, but it's incredible to look at the variety of of healing that is possible through these medicines because again they are harmonizing mind body heart and spirit and so everything is just vibrational right and so whether whatever it is that we're suffering from typically it has some sort of vibrational component and so and you know the way again the way i look at this work is it's harmonizing mind body heart and spirit and then it's trying to bring mind body heart and spirit up to a higher frequency up to a higher vibration and that's that's what we're trying to achieve so ayahuasca uh, tends to have that very powerful physical effect it's got a purgative effect as well so for me honestly speaking um the first night i threw up probably 150 times on my first ceremony what yeah it was it was it was very challenging and you know i um uh, I probably drank a little bit too much during my years of consulting life in Hong Kong. I wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, but you know, it's part of the work hard, play hard lifestyle in in the management consulting in the management consulting world. And so, there was a lot of lower level stuff and toxicity to get out of the the physical body uh, and the energetic and spiritual bodies as well. So uh, it was, it was not comfortable. Uh, and, and, you know, I went into that uh, having respected the diet and all of the things that one should do in preparation. But it, truth be told, I was not, I was not prepared for, uh, for that experience.
0: That's that blows my mind. And then you were talking about the God particle Everyone just kind of flipped, maybe like me, just heard it maybe in passing once or twice. What necessarily is it? What's it like when you take it? Just really brief on that. Yeah. So
1: with these other experiences, one of the things that we're looking for is to achieve what is known as ego dissolution or ego death, right? So that is the moment where you genuinely think you're going to die. You think this is it. I'm 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 going to die. Um, now there's uh, the reason I share that is because there's a conference that, uh, that I attended last year that is known as Dying and Living. And the whole concept of that conference is that you first need to have your ego death before you can begin to live your real life. Um, and in that moment, there's a transformation of of self that takes place, which is that you realize that you are not this body, you are not your thoughts, you are not all of these other things, you are this eternal spiritual being. Uh, And there's great power in that to connect with your true essence. And then, you know, from that place to begin to, I guess, rediscover self uh, anew. And so the reason I share that is with these other medicines, that process of reaching ego dissolution can and does take quite a bit of time. It depends, you know, some people have it on their first ceremony. Other people might, you know, it might be years before they have actually an experience such as that and over many, many retreats. And there's no right and wrong, right? Whatever takes place for an individual is what takes place for an individual. Now, in contrast with 5-MeO-DMT, it's a very powerful ego-dissolving experience. So the medicine is smoked, and within 5 to 10 seconds, basically reality itself breaks apart uh, in front of you, and we are moved into complete non-duality. So that means that there is no more you There is no more other, there is just one, you are one with the universe. There is no more separation between you and the universe. So the the description that I like is almost like, um, if you think of uh, us being a part of the universe that has been twisted off like a balloon, you know, like you take a balloon, you twist off a part of the balloon. Now what this experience does is it untwists that that balloon so that you can see that you are very much an integral and whole part uh, of the universe. And you, you come to this within the space of 10 seconds. Now, usually the peak of the experience is about 10 to 20 minutes. As people start working with this medicine, it's very common that they don't recollect a great deal because so much is happening in a short space of time, but time itself has absolutely no meaning, right? So there's no such thing as space. There's no such thing as time. There's no such thing as humans or being there's just experience. Uh, And so you are just being raised up into higher and higher levels of consciousness and experiencing consciousness as, Experiencing consciousness itself from higher and higher places, if that makes any sense,
0: <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> the whole, it's thing, how- I'm it. So just like, <laughs> I just, I just kind of brings up a point, which I'm sure you get this question a lot, and I'm sure this is the first question everyone asks you, but I'm asking it at the end. Whereas, how do you break the difference between these kind of plant-based medicines and plant-based drugs that people generally relate this kind of stuff to where this is a psychedelic drug where you're going to become addicted to people start thinking of addicts roaming the street what's what's the difference and how do you explain this to people
1: yeah um and i think that's a that's a good 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 subjects to tap into always so a few of the things that i always um always share is, you know, different people have different motivations for exploring these medicines, right? So for some people, it's healing, other people, it's uh, growth or creativity, um, self understanding, right? Other people, it's more spiritual in nature. um, And certainly, you can have any combination of of those. And and then the last, you know, the last two is number four, uh, recreational, right? Some people are just want to have fun. Now, Personally speaking, it's never been really a recreational thing for me. Um, you know, you hear stories about people taking this recreational and going to a concert or something like that. And then, you know, some part of early childhood trauma or something like that gets unlocked. To me, that doesn't sound like exactly the right sort of context for these sorts of powerful experiences. Uh, and then the last, which does occur, is, is abuse, right? Um, but now, that being said, um, these substances, medically speaking, are classified as non-addictive right? So they are not like alcohol, tobacco, cocaine, methamphetamines, you know, that have a very strong addictive potential uh, for a lot of people. So there's, you know, I've really, I've really cannot say that I've ever encountered someone that I would say would be quote unquote addicted to psychedelics because they are such powerful experiences, sacred experiences. And if people come to abuse them, I think, one of the messages that they would be likely to get would be like hey you're abusing this take this take this more seriously um would be a likely experience that i would imagine so um the other aspect that is that's important is in relation to safety right um and so when when we have taken the right precautions for ourselves in terms of diet and intentionality and um, really prepared well for the experience, when we go through a high-quality safety screening to make sure that uh, we don't have any contraindicated medications or contraindicated mental health disorders or any physical um, you know, physical traumas from the past or physical diseases uh, that might lead to a more challenging experience, then then these experiences are safe. So, you know, we have facilitators on our team that have been doing this work for 30 years with, you know, knock on wood, without a single major adverse event. So this work is safe when it's taken sufficiently seriously. Now, unfortunately, you know, given the excitement that's coming in relation to the space, and the excitement is really coming and building very, very rapidly, I do think that a lot more people are, getting more desperate in terms of seeking out experiences and, and wanting to be, you know, better than they are. And as a result of that, we're going to go through a period, I think in the next five years where we are going to see a lot more psychedelic harm because, um, because there's just a lot more, uh, a lot more people doing this a lot more quickly without necessarily enough people who are well experienced in being facilitators and guides, For those people who want to have these experiences so um you know thankfully there's a lot more infrastructure that's quickly being built in terms of you know psychedelic support hotlines and these sorts of things that are coming uh, that i think should ease the burden as more and more people uh, experience with you know do experiments with their own consciousness
0: yeah that's i really like that explanation it's talking about the non-addictive side it's talking you're talking about How it's more for just helping somebody as it is for recreational use. And I love the example of you don't want to experience this during a concert. I just could only imagine just, oh no, child to trauma. Well, music's playing (laughs) in the background surrounded (laughs) by thousands of people. Yeah. But I I'm trying to sit here and I just have a lot of comparing thoughts just with marijuana, for example, and the, now that's finally become legal, and especially in our state of New York here, where they're starting to push more and more studies about the long-term effects it has on our brain in a negative way. And it, that differentiating point you mentioned, I think it's important to really understand that this is more like a heavily long. Like I feel like ancient medicine, like this. At, tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, but like you're talking 15,000 years of use. I suppose yeah, I think, certain other I, I, substances which are newer
1: I think that's right and there's a there's a great video that kind of describes what I was sharing before called the stoned ape theory so if anyone's listening would like to look that up on YouTube I think it's a pretty good one and and I, you know you're exactly right I think you know personally speaking I wouldn't I would pretty much never smoke weed and the reason being that i that i know it has debilitating effects on the brain over time uh, i think it can be effective in terms of treating symptoms but there, it doesn't have neurogenetic or neuroplastic um, properties as uh, as these other plant medicines do
0: and i think right there just you just nailed the you nailed it right there man that just separates the line between do someone doing it for recreation and someone doing it to help people so yeah I really, I appreciate that. So we'll start wrapping this thing up. Just, I want you to break everything we spoke about over the last 38 minutes and just summarize it for us. What's the last take-home message you want to leave to people?
1: So what's possible to recognize through these experiences is so profound and so life-changing that it, really is not reducible to natural language because once we realize that it's all consciousness, everything is consciousness and that we have, and that this is a game of life. This stage has been set for us to experience humanity and all of its ups and all of its downs and all of its imperfections. And it is a stage. And I think if we were to try to design something more perfect for a human experience, for a human trial, I think we would struggle. You know, we've got the best of the best of emotional states. We've got the worst of the worst. We have people that are doing unbelievable good. And we have people that are doing some not such beautiful things. We have the sun, we have the moon, we have the stars, we have the ocean, we have tides, we have seasons, we have different landscapes. It's just incredible, like reality. And and so to through these experiences, to know there's a higher order and that, you know, exp- that Emotions like love and joy and peace sit far above anything that could be debated or differences between us or, you know, these these lower level tensions that arise in our everyday life or between us and our loved ones or between countries, that there are these higher truths that are accessible to us, not just through plant medicine, but through self-discovery. So, you know, the, the message that I would say to anyone um, is, is always prioritize your inner world because that is fundamentally the game of life, the game of life, the stage, the the cards that we've been played here is, do you spend your time and your energy distracted by all the things that are going on out on the outside, or do you take the time and the energy to really go deep on the inside and discover that everything on the outside is actually available through discovery on the inside. Uh, And, and so that it's very easy to focus lifetimes, in lifetimes, uh, and we do reincarnate. That's another thing that you come to recognize. You can spend lifetimes focused on the outside world and make no progress on the inside world. Or you could take this one and focus on the inside world and get absolutely everything you ever dreamed of in the outside world.
0: I I love that explanation. And then last but not least, where can people find you, get a hold of you? How can they learn more about Behold Retreats? Take us through it.
1: Yeah, um, we're uh, behold-retreats.com. Just look us up behold retreats and um, you know we, we like to meet with all of our clients so uh, if what, what I've shared resonates with uh, with any of your audience then come and have a chat and uh, we'll see if we can uh, organize a game changer for you uh, most of our retreats are in Mexico Costa Rica Portugal Peru and the Netherlands so if you're up for some travel it's not uh, it's not been it's not the most popular time in, in history to travel but uh, we've still got retreats ongoing
0: I I absolutely love it. And thank you for coming on, guys. And thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey, not a destination. Until next time. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way And through fitness, you can do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the
1: redefined difference.